All right. Are we ready Amen. for this here word? One. Amen. 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 That was, that was almost disheartening. It's like, well, should he give it anyway? <laughs> Here it comes. I can see. But um, we've been in, in a grand, grand time in, in this, uh, this kingdom culture of faith. Um, faith has. It seems to be a running theme for us since we got started. Uh, so, sometimes I do have to think about the fact that um, we're, we're only what, a few, few months old yep. officially. So, but it, feel, it feels like we it feels like we've been together a lot longer. When I think about everything that that God has said, was that? Yeah, it, it, it feels it feels like that. Everything that God has said and everything that God is doing in, in people's lives and, and watching uh, everything grow and evolve and, and, and turn into what it's turning into. And then even all the things that we can't see, because we know that when it comes to foundation land, there's a lot of it that you can't see. And whenever there's root work that's happening on the ground, it's, it's, it can be the most monotonous time. But at the same time, it's the most important because the oak tree that's going to stand up 75 feet tall 30 years from now if it didn't take the time to build those roots right, on the right. ground and nobody thought it was worth anything nobody saw anything in it then it will blow over too easily that's right. Major that's right it's going to damage a lot of people so it's the same thing that god god is doing with us as, as a ministry but i'm appreciative of the word that comes forth and i don't know about y'all I know God uses me to be able to deliver it. But yes. What you got to understand is I have to eat it first. Yes. I don't just come and talk. I have, I have to eat and consume it myself first. And what's being eaten and consumed by me, I'm like, this is good. Yes. This is good stuff. <laughs> which makes me excited to be able to come and talk about it. <coughs> be able to come and talk about it on Sunday. And last week, the man of God himself, Pastor A.B., did, did an amazing job talking to us uh, about that, that death process that, that we go through in, in faith. Just awesome, awesome time. And uh, we're going we're gonna to keep going through uh, Hebrews 11. So you, I hope you do. You know, if you do have one of the, uh, a hard Bible that you got that little ribbon, you can just keep it at Hebrews 11 because that's what we're going to start until you know, God tells us otherwise. So, of course, we have a, a few other scriptures that, that we use and whatnot, but Hebrews 11 is the resting place. And uh, today we're going to be going through uh, verses 17 through 22. Verses 17 through 22. So remember kingdom culture of faith. Every, everything in life has a culture. Culture is the normalcy, the normal way of doing things, the normal way of going about life. And in the kingdom, there is no different. If we're going to operate in the kingdom of God and... I'm going to operate in the kingdom of God and be able to take hold of the blessings of God that I have to abide by the culture of his kingdom. Yes. I get to come in and do it my way. I get to come in and do it my way and then ask for his blessing. It's just not going to happen. No different if somebody came into your house to live. You have a culture to how your family operates. If I come in and I'm, I go against that culture, I won't get the blessing of what it is to live under your roof. It's, a, it's, a, it's the same thing. 
every every kingdom has a culture. Every every life uh, life has a, has a culture to it, and that is something that, that we've been studying with this and embracing what it is to have that, that faith culture in our life. So we're going to be at uh, verse seventeen and going through uh, going through to verse twenty two. Hebrews 11, verse 17 through 22. Before we get started, let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for this time that we are about to embark on in the word and be strengthened by the word. I thank you, Lord, that it is the bread. Your word is our bread. We are a hungry people, Lord. And as we are a hungry people, you are a father that is ready to feed us. So, Holy Spirit, we set ourselves right now, Lord, and posture ourselves to receive from you and receive from your word, receive what it is that you are saying to us in this time. God, Holy Spirit, I surrender myself to you to be used how you see fit. You are the teacher. You're the teacher. You're the preacher. You're the coach. This is your word. So instruct us in the way that you see fit. Help me to be able to communicate speak this and preach it like you gave it to me, Lord. And may every person, every person, God, including the one holding the microphone, walk away from this moment stronger, stronger than when they first began, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let us do some work. Hebrews 11, verse Verses 17 through 22. Today, I actually don't have a lot of, su of support in Scripture. I was a little shocked myself. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I studied this right. I don't have, a, I don't have enough juice behind me like I like. <laughs> but we go, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So, verse 17. Faith operated powerfully in Abraham for when he was put to the test. He offered up Isaac. Mm. Yeah. Mm. When he was put to the test, mm. there's a word that we don't like mm. too much. Put to the test, he offered up Isaac. Even though he received God's promises of descendants, he was willing to offer up his only son. Yes. Next verse. For God had promised through your son Isaac. Your lineage will carry on your name. Abraham's faith made it logical to him. <laughs> it's going to be good. Abraham's faith made it logical to him that God could raise Isaac from the dead. And symbolically, that's exactly what happened. The power of faith prompted Isaac to impart a blessing to his sons. Jacob and Esau concerning their prophetic destinies. Jacob worshiped in faith's reality at the end of his life and leaning upon his staff, he imparted a prophetic blessing upon each of Joseph's sons. <clears throat> faith inspired Joseph and opened his eyes to see into the future. For as he was dying, he prophesied about the exodus of Israel out of Egypt and gave instructions that his bones were to be taken from Egypt with them. 
So that was that was Hebrews 11, 17 through 22. Go back to uh, 17, Tristan, and you can just uh, just walk with me as we're just going to go verse by verse. So at, at this point in Hebrews 11, so, so we have talked about what faith is. And, and, it, and it has gotten us to understand that, that everything in the world, everything that's happening around us in the world got started because of faith or got, or got started by the word of God, which we can only gain that, gain knowledge to that when we operate and move in faith. Right. Then we started seeing all the different people throughout uh, Hebrews 11, at least as far as we have gone, as to how faith was operating in their life. What does it look like practically? What did it cause them practically to do within their life? So some of them were moved to, to, give, to give the right offering. So, uh, Noah was moved to build the ark. Enoch was moved to be pleasing before the Lord. And we start seeing how life looked having faith in it and what it got as a result. Then last week we talked about how all those, although faith moved them and persuaded them to behave in a certain fashion, they still died in faith. But dying in faith was a necessary process because that death process was taking out of them everything that needed to be drawn out of them and collectively bringing something together that was much more than what they could be by themselves individually. Yes, now yes. what we've gotten to this point is, is uh, the writer has gone back into the life of Abraham, Isaac, Abraham's lineage. So we go from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph. So those are the four main patriarchs yes. that we have within our faith as to those that we look to as to how this whole thing got started. Right. So that's where we're at at this point. And verse 17 tells us that faith operated powerfully in Abraham. Remember, we've spent enough time on Abraham and recognize that he's the, actually the father of the faith. He's the one that although he had all kinds of screw up so we can actually go and research and look at it. He's the one that was talked about saying that he did not waver in the promise. Right. He did not waver in the promise. He did not waver concerning anything what God had told him because he knew that the one who actually spoke to him was the one that not only could do it but was willing and was willing and able. He was willing and able to take care of what needed to be taken care of. Yes. So as a result, faith is operating powerfully in him for when he was put to the test he offered up Isaac. Stop right here. He can only have that testimony of being the one who did not waver in faith because he was tested. Mm. Mm. He was tested. No claim like that can be made about a faith that has not been tested. You don't get to just swell yourself up in this and talk a big game without walking out the necessary steps as to what it's going to take for your faith to really be pure and really be right. God is a God who is going to make sure that whatever it is that you are claiming that you have or claiming that you, that you believe in or claiming that you want to be, there is a matching test that has to go with that. God will not allow me to be able to to. to God would not allow me to be able to have his name on the line to be able to say that I am something or that he is something to me that a proper test has not come to check that because the faith that is tested is the faith that is of the highest quality I only can have a strong faith to the degree that it has been tested and see a lot of times within our context and especially within the modern church today we think faith is associated with our accumulation of stuff. 
We think it's associated with how much I get, how much I have, how many people attend the church, how much money does the church have. And we, and we automatically associate that with that those people must have a strong faith. Not necessarily, because a strong faith is only associated with a test that comes to make sure that it actually is what it says that it is. Any car that you buy, anything that you buy of any kind, it first has to go through a testing process to make sure that whatever it is that the manufacturer or is going to sell it to you is going to claim that it is as a testing that has to go with it first to make sure that there's a matching that there's a matching quality with it so that whenever this whenever the claims are talked about we know we can back it up because it has been tested we can back it up because there's a necessary testing and quality control that has happened with whatever it is that we are saying it is supposed to have and as it is with that so it is with our faith God is going to put a test on us not for the sake of us just going through a test and having a hard time. God will bring testing times. God will bring difficult moments. God will bring hard and pressing times in my life so that there's a quality control that is happening to me so that when life asks me questions, I'm able to step forth and answer because I've been tested. I've been tested. So life, in life is not supposed to be easy breezy. You coming into the kingdom, and th this is what I thought. I thought that when I came into the kingdom, everything was supposed to just be smooth. I thought everything was supposed to be smooth, everything was going to be okay, because Jesus is the answer. So how can the answer bring me problems? Hello. <laughs> Uh, how, how, how is it that now I have engaged this relationship with the answer and it seems like more problems have made their way to me now than what I was before? Yes. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Because, there, because in, the, in the hand of the answer, he uses problems. Yes. He uses problems to be able to formulate us, uses problems to be able to mold and to shape us in the way that we need to be molded and shaped. So, and he uses tests to be able to do that. Your faith is only as strong as the test it survives. All faith must be, must be put to a test. All faith must be put to a test. And, and something else that we see here, uh, with with uh, Abraham Isaac Abraham Isaac and Jacob is the fact that they were willing to give up or to offer something. So Abraham was willing to give up, offer up, let go of Isaac when he was required of him. Both, but faith would not leave him hopeless, but would instead bring him another conclusion. Whatever God requires of me, He only does so because of the something else that He has in mind. Because he will never leave me without. Because here it is. Isaac is the one who is the promised child. Yes. Promised child. Not promised children. Right. So first of all, we already had to get over the hump that we're 100 years old. My wife is 90 and I'm well past the childbearing age. Yes. So now we got over that hump. I actually got the son. And now you're telling me that that one son, that the promise is, is has got to come through. You're telling me to take him and to give him back to you, meaning that he's no longer here with me. So now I don't know how this promise is going to happen. Come on. This is this is the degree of what it is that, that we're at. So so can I give up the easy and obvious for the next that God has for me? Am I so attached to, to the comfort 
and the conformity and the what I'm used to of today that I will hold on to it at the expense of tomorrow. At the expense of the next. At the expense of the greater. Here God is requiring something of him. Asking will you be willing to give this over into the hands of the one that gave it to you in the first place. Do you trust me enough now? You trust me enough to give it to you. But do you trust me enough to give it back? Or do I get so caught up in the thing that God gave me? That now I have replaced the giver with the gift. Woo. Now I have replaced the, the blesser with the blessing. Because whenever, whenever I get into that point or I get into a mode like that, I'm treading into a dangerous place and treading into dangerous territory because I'm losing sight of the fact that the one who got it all started and the one who causes all things to continue to flow is the one who is talking to me and the one that is asking for this in the first place. So I know that if I place it in the hands of the one that gave it to me, then there's something that he sees that I do not there's something that he sees and there's a plan that he has that I do not have. So, can I give up the easy and obvious for the next that God has for me? I could hold on to it. I could leave. I could quit. I could give up. I could stop. I could go back. I could say no. But at the, at the end of that decision, I have to ask, what did I forfeit? What did I give up? Had Abraham told Isaac no. I mean, excuse me. Had Abraham told God no. Had Abraham told God no, he's the only one. I got to, I got to have him. I got to hold on to him. Would the story look as it does today? Would the story look as it does today? Because there, there's a legacy of faith that will be carried throughout the generations because of Abraham's decision in this moment to give back. So even though he received God's promises of descendants, he was willing to offer up his only son. Even though he received God's promises of descendants, he was willing to offer up his only son. Next verse, Tristan, verse 18. Let's rock the world a little bit more. Verse 18. Hallelujah. There we go. For God had promised through your son Isaac, your lineage will carry on, will carry on your name. Your lineage will carry on your name. So packed within the name, it's, it's, not, it's not just the name, but it's everything that, that the name encompasses. Everything that the name encompasses, the lineage was going to be able to carry forth. Stop right there. What is it that could go forth out of your name based on your obedience to God today? Because packed pack within the name is not just trying to get your attention. Packed within the name is everything that God has called you to be. 
everything that God has called you to do, everything God Come has on, called sir. you to express within your lifetime here within the earth realm, that is packed within your name. That's why you have the name that you have and why God gave you the name that he gave you. So within your name, God is trying to have a, a, a conversation that's going to last longer than you. And this is Abraham having that within mind that my name is supposed to be going on and going out of this lineage that's going to go further beyond me. So how is it that I need, how is it that I'm going to be able to give up the one who is going to be responsible for carrying this name? You know, only do it by faith. Going to do about that because that's 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 too big of a of a, of a deal. Yes, that's too big of a chance. Yes. It's too great of a chance to take if I am not looking with the eye of faith to be able to see beyond just the logical ramifications. Because the logical ramifications say I can't do that. Everything that you just promised me is on the line if I kill this boy. Everything from a natural standpoint. And how many times within our life, God brings us up to decisions. And in a natural eye, it looks like if I make this decision, I will lose everything. Everything will fall down. Everything will fall apart. Everything's not going to go through right. I am so scared and so nervous. But God is trying to tell us that in order to walk this thing out with him, I must embrace the kingdom culture of faith. As I embrace that culture of faith, it gives me another set of eyes to be able to look through. It's just like me with these glasses. Now that I'm looking at you in this sense, I see you in one dimension and see you in one way. And you know what? You're not very clear. But if I take the faith and put it on, I'm able to see you in a different fashion and see you in a more clear way. When you take faith and you put it on, the decisions that God calls you to make will be able to be more clearly seen because I'm looking at it by faith. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it by faith. And it causes me to be able to come to a conclusion that needs to come to. So the promise that was in mind is Abraham gave up the obvious uh, route to the promise. So he gave up the obvious route, or at least put it on the line. Because we know Isaac, we know Isaac wasn't king, but he was he was willing to. He came to a position within his heart to where he said, I have my preference, God, based off of what you told me. But I will not take my preference and put it above what you say now. Wow. Come on. Mm, 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 mm. Can we get to a place where we surrender our preferences and ideals oh, God. to God? My ideal life. My ideal family. My ideal job. It's tight, I know. Mm, it's good. But we got to talk about it. The preferences and ideals, if we are not careful, Elder Johnny, they will become idols. They will become idols of the heart. And I will start justifying myself outside of the ramifications of what God has told me. And then I give myself in a dangerous territory to where now I am no longer worshiping God, but I'm worshiping my ideal. And calling it God. I must, I must be careful. And this is the process once again. We see faith taking these people all through this process. And, and, and faith was talking to Abraham and getting Abraham into a place where I got to check your motive and I got to check what's in your heart and make sure that just because I gave 
that take? This is this is what we, this is what we about to hit some about to hit some juice. What we about to hit some juice. Abraham's faith made it logical to him that God could raise Isaac from the dead, and symbolically, that's exactly what happened. So, faith. So we see. So we see him. It went with everything, everything that we just talked about. The only way that he could come to a logical conclusion. Listen, logical. Logical is a natural term. Yes. So faith was so strong that it interjected how he saw the natural. Come on. Come on. It interjected how he saw his everyday life to where he said, my logic is not subject to necessarily just the senses of what's going on around me. I have got a connection to where there's something else that I am attached to. There's someone else that I'm attached to that has control over all of this. So they're able to bend it in the way that they see fit. And from a logical standpoint, he says, well, the only other, the only thing that can happen is the way that Isaac has to be raised up. Is that Isaac has to be raised from the dead. Now, looking at this word logical faith, faith presented the conclusion and logic of knowing that God is going to raise him from the dead. We see no questioning from Abraham as to how this is going to happen. Right. What's God going to do now? What am I going to do now? Because Isaac, Isaac is no longer going to be with me. Abraham, listen, died to himself, which we talked about last week. Abraham going through that death process of dying to himself, when he did, faith brought him into the realm of thinking where, where nothing is impossible on human terms. Faith made it logical that when he was connect, that what he was connected to was so powerful that whatever God said, it cannot end this way until what God has said comes to pass. So, let's check this word out. For, for logic. Let me sure I look at it because I don't speak Greek. <laughs> it's called the Lukitsoma. So this is the Greek word, Lukitsoma. Lukitsoma means to reckon, reason, consider, Decide, conclude. And now it's it's where we get our English word, as you can see in the text, where we get our English word logic and logical. So Abraham's faith made it logical or legitimate that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead. Now it's interesting as you do a little more research as to what the root. I don't have my eraser. Can someone can someone find find my eraser for me, please? It's interesting as, as you look as you look at this word and go into the research of the, the reckoning and the reasoning and the considering and the deciding and the concluding. I think I'll just use this. It's okay. Yes, that'll work. Thank you. Because when when you when you dig this word down, this is what happens. This is the root of it. So it gets to mind. Has a powerful word at his root. I don't know if everybody can oh. see that. Oh, my God. So the my when you dig it down and get rid of everything else, it has the root of logo, of logos. 
So Logos is at the root of Abraham's logic to be able to come to the understanding that Isaac was going to be raised from the dead. So within, so there's a dialogue that is happening between faith and Abraham. So they, and they, and in between this dialogue of faith and Abraham, Abraham, as a result of this conversation with his faith, because he's not going to allow himself to be talked out of what it is that God had promised. And we would do well to pay attention to that in times of pressing and in times of pressure, that whenever we have the Lekitsa mind having a conversation within us, that we don't allow something or someone else to interject that does not have the logos at heart and doesn't have the logos within mind. So Abraham and his faith are having a conversation and in the midst of the conversation, Logos makes a special appearance. Logos makes a special appearance in the conversation to make sure that they understand that now that I am here in this logic, that I have now gotten rid of all sense of impossibility. Because from a natural standpoint, once Isaac was taken out on the altar, that is it. It is done. So we don't know what is going to happen now. But thanks be to faith and the logos that was alive within his faith, the one who, the essence of who it was that, that started everything and how everything got started in the beginning was the logos, the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. That's the same substance that was with Abraham while he's having this conversation and coaching him along and bringing him to the logical conclusion that even if I do lose it, God's going to bring it back anyway. Even if I do lose this thing, God's going to make something happen. Even if I do get into a place in a hard time and a hard pressing moment, God will not lead me in a time to where he will not provide a solution of some kind. The Logos is making a conversation in the right way to know that all will not be lost because you are moving and operating in faith. And what I have said, I promise and put it on my Because if the Logos has instructed and given a word to you, then you 
I got his word on it. And when I got his word on it, Abraham is letting me know that that's all that I need. That's all that I need to be able to come to the logical conclusion that no matter what happens, God will raise it back up. God will not allow me to be put in a position to where I just suffer loss for the sake of suffering loss. If I suffer loss, it's only because he's trying to make a space for something greater to be able to step into that space and thereby increase us. Ah, somebody hear me today? I got his word on it. I got his word on it. Now let's talk about the symbolism here. What is that symbolically? That's exactly what happened. Symbolically, this is God preaching an illustrated sermon about himself. Mm, yes. Come on, sir. God is preaching an illustrated sermon about himself and has given the world a sneak preview of what is to come. He's given the world a sneak preview of what is to come. God preaches an illustrated sermon about himself. Abraham represents God who is willing and fully persuaded in himself. Finding nothing greater to swear by. This is what he said to Abraham when he gave him the promise. Finding nothing greater to swear by, I swear by myself that what I have spoken to you will come to pass. That your own wife is going to have a child and from that child we're going to have the promise go forth of what I have said to you. So finding nothing greater to swear by because whenever you swear by something, you put that thing on the line. So whenever God makes a promise and has to find something to swear by, he can't find anything in the earth because nothing in the earth is greater than him. So he has to find something that's able to match the degree and the power of the promise that he has given. So finding nothing greater to swear by, he swears by himself to say that I am going to bless your life. So, so Abraham represents God. Finding nothing greater to swear by, swears by himself that he will bless, that what he has spoken will come to pass. So I'm going to give up my only begotten. I'm going to give up my only begotten. And in giving up my only begotten, I'm not worried about it because I know he's going to return back to me. And in steps, the illustrated sermon of the Son of God, who was the only begotten, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. It is a picture to us of showing what was to come in the life of Jesus. God being so persuaded and knowing that I'm going to get humanity back, that I'm going to put my son on the line, lest the seed fall to the ground and die. It remains alone, but if it falls to the ground and dies, it's able to bring up something that is greater than just the end of itself. There was something greater than God was to bring up and to rise up and he used this as a picture in laying him down he will come back again and in laying Jesus down he did come back again and in him coming back he never raised many sons thereby raising many sons to glory and all of this happening on God's complete confidence that what I have said what I have said we come to pass. If there's nothing else that you walk away from with today, what he has said will come to pass. Talk to us, scriptures. Isaiah 55, 11. God's word will not return unto him void. But will do that which he has set out, set out for today. It is illegal for any word to return back 
steal whatever it was that it was sent out to do. That is illegal. That is illegal in the kingdom. There is no word that is able to go back unto him. So how many of us have words that's hovering over our life? How many of us have promises that's hovering over our life? How many of us have promises that still yet to be unfulfilled and still not yet to come to pass? I came with good news for you. It can't go back home. It don't have a home until it's able to fulfill that which it has set in your life. It is not able to go back unto God until it has
Take us beyond the natural, giving us a full point view of what it is to live and operate in faith and then come back into my natural life and be able to subject it to what it is that I know that faith has invited me into. So give me, give me, a, give me the next verse, please. Verse 20. So we're doing good? So verse 19, we saw, we saw Abraham's motives being checked. Motives being checked. Motives being set and, and, and checked and making sure that the heart partial was in the right place. First of all, the power of faith prompted Isaac to impart a blessing to his sons, Jacob and Esau, concerning their prophetic destiny. Now, now we've jumped over into, into the promised child. So now he, he has lived his life, he's grown, and now he's imparting a blessing to both Jacob and Esau concerning their prophetic destinies. The point that I want to be to bring out of this is that Isaac uh, gave substance to the prophetic destinies of his son only because of Abraham being willing to give Isaac. To give Isaac. All of that was only birthed out of the place because the father Abraham was willing to give up what it was that was so given to him. Give up the promise that was given to him in the name of whatever it was that God said. What's next? And that's what I'm trying to get us to. Because throughout, throughout all of this, we're going to see that there is something that's being given. We saw earlier Abraham gave Isaac. Here we are now. Uh, Isaac is imparting a blessing. Imparting is another word for give. Yes. He imparts, he gives a blessing concerning the prophetic destinies uh, of, of his children. This is a picture of the compounding effect of obedience from one generation to the next. Because if you research the life of Isaac, Jacob, even Esau to a degree, and Joseph, you will see that there was no generation that lacked. No one missed out on anything. Every generation was tremendously blessed and rich in livestock and silver and gold and all kind of material. No one missed out on anything. And that all hinges on Abraham being willing to go up the mountain and lay Isaac down on the altar and take his life, being willing to do that. Because in his willingness, his motives were purified and his motives were checked. And he got involved in the conversation with logos and came to the logical conclusion that even if I do take his life, he's going to be given back to me because what God has said has to come to pass. What is it within our life that we could look at in that, in that same fashion? What is it within our life that if required of us, we will be willing to be able to part with? We will be able, we will be willing to separate from. We will be willing to walk in obedience to what to whatever it is that God that God has said concerning that. So it's a picture of the compounding effect of obedience from one generation to the next. Give me verse 21 now. And I'm going to wrap it up here. Verse 21. Jacob worshiped in faith's reality at the end of his life. And leaning upon his staff, he imparted a prophetic blessing upon each of Joseph's sons. Jacob worshiped and faced reality at the end of his life. And leaning upon his staff. So Jacob, at, at the end of his life, because his name got changed from Jacob to Israel. So he goes from being a trickster and a supplanter to the prince. So in faith's reality, at the end of his life, he, he, he worships God from that place of the name change. 
and leaning upon his staff, I want to focus in on that, leaning upon his staff, he imparted the prophetic blessing upon each of Joseph's sons. So that word staff means staff of authority or scepter, which is, which is what a king would hold, a scepter, excuse me, a scepter to be able to uh, place upon someone to deem them into a place of authority or deem them into a place of prominence. So the staff was used, staff was also used on the journey on to lean upon. So I believe that what the Lord was saying to us within this is that we are to make declarations inspired by faith from a place of authority. That is the, that is the prophetic blessing that, that both Isaac and Jacob were able to give. Listen, off of what Abraham from the giving of Abraham. Yes. From the giving of Abraham, we see this continual, this continual play out, this continual play out of faith increasing in strength as the generations go on. Hence why, once again, I'll say it next week and I'll say it right now. Your faith is not just about you. It's not just about you and within your life at age 42, at age 39, at age 32, at age whatever. It's not just about you. There is something that is supposed to be able to be imparted. So there's another generation that's able to rise up within this faith and be able to make declarations that are necessary to bring forth and usher into the kingdom within their time. But while it is our time in this moment right now, God is calling for us to be able to make uh, declarations in a place of prominence of authority. This is him leaning upon that staff because Jacob represents faith. So Jacob operating in faith, he leans upon the staff of and from that place makes the prophetic decree imparting a blessing onto the life of, jo of Joseph's sons. God wants us moving in authority with our faith, but that kind of faith has to first be vetted, showing how much that we can be trusted with. And how is it vetted? It is vetted through a place of crushing and a place of death. So I need not be afraid of that or try and run away from that moment because what is happening is God is making me heavy in my declaration. God is making me heavy in a sense of authority so that whenever I do open my mouth and I do ask him for something and I do decree something and I do say something, things have to accommodate themselves based off of what it is that I have said. Not because of how good I am, but because of the fact that there's a heaviness only as I lean upon the staff of authority that God has given to me to be able to bring forth in the atmosphere and say something and not just allow things or situations and circumstances to happen in life and me not say nothing. Take your faith, take your authority and say something. Take your authority and put something in the atmosphere. Take your authority and bless your children. Take your authority and bless your life. Take your authority and do not sit back and just take things from life. Yes. Take the authority yes, yes, that has been given. Yes, sir. Now this can help me, Lord. Come on. This cannot. And this is that dangerous place in the church where, where we take this and we make it an incomplete teaching. When we just try and list off the Christmas list yes. to God and throw a decree and declare before it. Mm -hmm. I've seen it and it's sickening. Mm. I was a part of it. It's sickening and it's frustrating. Mm. It's frustrating. I, I would dare say all of us have hit a point of frustration when we did decree and declare.
they're saying because of the incorrect posture. Come on. Hey, I know that's what I'm learning to me. Because my, my faith first is going to be tested and vetted. It's going to be. Through a death process of some kind. Through a death process of some kind. I, I got to die in, in some kind of way. I got to be crushed in some kind of way. I got to go through some, some kind of pressure. You're going to carry some kind of cross for this. Amen. You don't get all the benefits with this and then not the crushing. That's not how the kingdom works. But I can be fooled into thinking that. I can be fooled and swindled into, into thinking that. Because remember, the death and the crushes, it, it may impose pain, but it is a pain with a purpose. It is a pain with an intention. It has an intention behind it to be able to make you to stand up in a stronger way and in a stronger fashion. So that when, you, when you're able to stand up in that stronger way and stronger fashion, you are able to not be so persuaded by the winds of doctrine and everything Joseph. And that's how the Exodus got started. 
So how is it? Faith gave him the power to be able to peer into something that was not going to affect him, but to give a prophetic declaration of it being, look, an exodus. So he does, he does not talk to them about the hardship of being an enslavement. He prophesies that God's going to exit you out of this. And he prophesies it in a remembrance sense. So someone could be talking to Joseph and says, and Joseph says to them, you remember how God brought us out of Egypt? You remember how God delivered us? You remember how we thought that we were going to be taken out by that, but God lifted us up? You remember how God came through and lifted us out and gave us what we needed? You remember how God elevated our life? You remember how God healed our body? You remember how God blessed us with everything that we needed? You remember how God set us on the high places of the earth just like he said that he would? You remember how God imparted his glory? What are you talking about, Joseph? Nothing's even happened yet. I'm telling you right now that I'm peering through with the eyes of faith and I'm telling you that no matter what it is that comes to you, there's an exodus that's going to happen with you and God's yes. going to pull you out. Thereby, there's nothing that you can come to in your life that God has had already provided a strategy for to pull you out. He remembered it because he was remembering it from a standpoint that my God is faithful and he did what he said he was going to do. Yes. He did what he said that he was going to do. He remembered it. He wasn't even a part of it. Yet he remembered it. He remembered it. The eye of faith imparting prophetic vision for the victory of tomorrow. Faith gave the decree that even this enslavement, this hard time, these not being able to pay the bills, this, 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 this issue, this problem, this sickness, this disease, whatever it might be, cannot hold them back. And I'm, and I'm going to die. And it's going to be something that's going to, to be a blow 
to you because you want me to say. But I'm telling you right now, no man takes my life. I lay it down, and the same one that laid it down is the one that's able to pick it up. I'm going to go ahead and paint the picture of what this future is going to look like with you. But you've got to be able to take the eye of faith and be able to peer in and see it. So we have to make sure that we stay logged in to faith and be able to take our eye of faith and look at all things that come to us in life. You need not ever take anything in your life and take it outside of the dynamics of faith and look at it from a natural standpoint. Because if you do that, then it will be depressing. It will be disheartening. It will be impossible. And it will set you up and put on a downward slope of depression and no hope. But you have got to set yourself in a place to where I look at everything that is happening to me and happening in my life from the eye of faith. Because when I look at it from the eye of faith, the promise of God stays in front of my eyes and stays in front of me. And I keep that thing in front of me until it begins to re-energize and refuel me and revitalize me into the place where the promise is the only thing that I am focused and concerned on. Knowing that what God has said is going to come to pass. He's given me the promise. Me and my faith have had a conversation. Logos has given me what I need to be able to stand up in this time and to move forward in what thus says. In what thus says the Lord. In what thus says the Lord. The same one that lays it down, he'll pick it back up again. Yeah, you're going into a hard time, you're going into a statement, but don't worry, there's an exodus that's coming in. Why? Because we serve the God. Give me, give me my last scripture. And you can, you can go ahead and, and play mine. Last one. How is all this ever happen? As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and cause those things, things which do not exist as though they did. That is the profile of our God. Cause those things from call who gives life to the dead. Cause those things which do not exist as though they did. God is not subject to that which we are subject to. God is not subject just to the natural realm. And faith gives us the ability to be able to step away from the natural affairs and the natural happenings of our life and engage them from the place of where nothing is impossible with this. There's nothing impossible in life that can't turn around. There's nothing impossible in life that can't get better. There's nothing impossible in life that can't be used. There's nothing impossible in life to put up with. Disqualify me from being used. There are that every there is nothing. There is no thing. Said it earlier this morning. No thing. As long as it's a thing, it does not become impossible concerning our life. And, and in faith, we are able to see how, how that's able to happen. We're able to see that as long as I keep myself partial and positioned in that place of faith, I'm able to have that conversation going for me. My name and the name and the lineage that I'm carrying in and of the Lord is able to continue to go forth into the generations. I can lean upon the staff of authority and make forth a prophetic declaration and watch things come to pass. Faith is surrounding us to the fullest and giving us everything that we need. But we must operate in it. I got 
got to use it. I got to actually exercise it. Because if I don't, then I'm leaving all this power, leaving all this access, just up, just up for grabs. And I wanted us to get, get that holistic picture of faith. I hope, I hope throughout this series and throughout the other series that, that we've done, the other things that have been said, that there's a holistic picture of faith that's being built. Because I do want us to be a people that see results. Her testimony uh, of, of a family here, here today that God blessed them with, with something this week. And I, I love hearing stories like that. But no, it comes from having a complete, at least as best we can, a complete picture of what faith looks like. Faith has its great things. It, it has its beautiful moments. And it is, it is wonderful beyond description. Times of faith will progress on you, and it is amazing. But it also has its crushes. We need not put an emphasis on one at the expense of the other. We don't need to be so depressing and just talking about the crushes as if it's not. Thank you. 